You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Raj and me. For everyone from comic nerds to comic news, you know who you are. Now here's your host, Raj. Hello and welcome to the Comic Book Informer Podcast. This is Roger coming to you on Saturday, the 25th of August. We're a few days late, but uh, that's becoming the norm now. <laughs> we need Vince to come back just to keep me on track. <laughs> I've got Sarah with me, same as usual now. How are you doing? Good. Good. Ready to start the show. All right, great. Well, before we actually jump into the Uncanny X-Force stuff that we were been talking about for a while now... It's been an interesting week in comics, but, but not because of the comics, but because of the creators. Now, if you've been following a certain someone on Twitter, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Rob Leafield decided that he'd had enough and he's leaving DC. Now, he had mentioned before that he tried four times, but this this time it was going to stick. And he went on Twitter and made it very public. The reasons why he was leaving and because of the problems with the editorial staff and last-minute changes and all kinds of things like that, and felt that he had done his goal of doing 12 issues, and so that's it. He was leaving, and he was the one who was working on Deathstroke, Hawk and Dove, Hawkman, and uh, Grifter at different times. So he he spoke out against DC, and it's not the first time we hear that as of late. There's been a couple of instances where that has come out. And so you're getting the idea that there are some managerial and some editorial problems going on at DC, which isn't surprising. you got to expect that from any big company. And a lot of people backed him for speaking out against it. However, from there, I don't know if it's just his fanboys got to his head and his ego got bigger than it already was. But at that point, he decided, to hell with it. I'm going to attack anybody I wish. And so he started going, I'm sorry, batshit crazy, all of a sudden talking to people and slamming anything and everything. And it become now a point where it's just, hey, I'm just speaking out and I'm just doing this. And again, the fanboys that he has, the ones that will defend his art. <laughs> I mean, you, you got to look at some of the things that have been done with his art to appreciate just how bad it is. And Vince and I have talked about that. But... He's got fanboys that will go stark raving mad defending him. Well, those same ones are now fueling this flame. And at one point, he even lashed out against uh, Tom Brevert, who is, or Brevert, whatever, however you pronounce that, who is high up in the editorial staff and uh, and whatnot at Marvel, actually. He's the executive editor there, and he is vice president of publishing. And his tweet towards him was, and I quote, Someone told me that loser fat-ass Brevert was talking trash about me today. And I'm thinking, really? How old are you? You're not a child. But that wasn't enough. Then he starts speaking out against people writing Batman. And this is this is the most recent one, because in his opinion, anybody can write Batman and it's going to sell thousands and thousands. And it's the best selling one because it's Batman, not because of the skill involved in writing it. So he lashed out against that. And then we found out that Scott Snyder, of course, the lead writer for the writer for the Batman series, not the Dark Knight or any of those, um, contacted him via direct messages on Twitter. And he was asking him, saying, I just want to know if you are directing that at me personally, because I've always been in your corner. Now, Scott Snyder, we saw these messages, because after the conversation was over, or actually before it was over, again, Lee Field being him, decided to hell with it, 
took screenshots of the conversations and pasted them for his fanboys to adore him even more. Even though, for the rational thinking, they don't make Rob look all that good or intelligent. All right. And then, so he is berating Snyder in these direct messages and they come off sounding like an argument that a 14 year old boy would have with somebody else. It was absolutely ridiculous. And he slams Snyder. He, at one point he's saying that he's, he's crazy. I'm going to have to believe that he, once he posts these messages directly so that everybody can see them as well. He also says, because at one point Scott Snyder says, I can assure you Batman doesn't sell the way it does because it's Batman. It sells that way because of me and Greg. Now, that's not a pompous statement. It's He's proud of the work that not just he, but that they're doing on the Batman titles. And so he's just saying, no, it's doing well because we're doing a good job. And he's right. You can look at a variety of titles that are doing well, and they're not doing well because of the pedigree behind the IP. They're doing well because their writer does a good job. It's true, and Scott Snyder looks nothing but amazing after all of this. Oh, Being yeah. able to keep yeah. his head up, answer questions, and just genuinely come off as confused. He doesn't know why it's happening. Well, he's asking, too, in the tri- private messages, like, I don't, why are you mad at me? I'm genuinely concerned. And, like, Lee Field's comment in Twitter, again, later is, get over yourself, you pretentious prick. I'm thinking, how old are you? You're acting like a teenage, a young teenage child. You're acting like someone who thinks that the world revolves around them and that you're some amazing thing yourself. And what's funny is that like, if you're, if you're not familiar with Lee field, I mean, his claims to fame are having, um, co-created image, which that in and of itself, yeah, that's a good thing, but created Deadpool, which I'm sorry. I know that there's some people who love the character, but I'm not one of them. It's an, it's a ridiculous character that only purpose is to insert sparingly in different comics as a little bit of humor okay that's that's all he's good for and that's what we've been seeing in x-force with reminder handling that and reminder's doing a damn sight better on x-force than leafill ever did and leafill's the one who created x-force and then of course he created cable and then he's got the image comics from young blood and supreme blood strike profit blah 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 i'm sorry but none of those are that phenomenal and again his art If you have any, I'll I'll put the links in the show notes, okay? If you are a fanboy and you think you don't know what you're talking about, Raj, listen, go to Progressive Boink, do a search for Progressive Boink, Leafield, Worst Drawings. There's two. Now, you would read the one from 2007 and say, well, he's gotten better since then. Everybody has a time when they're not as good. No, 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 no. There's a new one that shows all of the new stuff, too. Some with uh, Hawk and Dove. Check it out. You'll, You'll see. No, he hasn't gotten better. So when you have someone that has got a a head the size of a freaking dump truck that they are so awesome and they can speak out and not just speak out but lash out against all these other people i'm sorry but he is coming off looking like a spoiled brat there's a difference between standing up for your principles and that you're the the writer the creator and you want to stand up for your rights for your the things that you've done so that you as a writer or as a pseudo artist in your case can be actually um, have some measure of control over your work and, and things like that. that. That's all well and good. 
But that's not what this is. I mean, again, if you have any doubts whatsoever, just head over to Twitter. He's got everything up. He's not hiding everything, which he thinks is an honest thing. And he's just showing his bravado as he said, no, what it's doing is it's making him look like a complete and utter asshat. Very true. And he quit. It wasn't as though he was treated poorly and let go where there were unfortunate circumstances. He held his head up and said, that's it. I'm done. That's the end of it. But instead of walking off the stage, he stuck around. Yeah, well, he stuck just around <laughs> and just started kicking, kicking stuff. <laughs> that's yeah, that's basically it. And again, see, had it stopped at just him, and and in my opinion, it went too far, anyways. Just from him, the 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 all the tweets with leaving DC. But fine, he's speaking out against what happened there, and that he's not going to be the one to may be made to look like uh, the the bad guy here because he's leaving them. This is why I left. Okay, you know what? Great, I can appreciate that as a creator, you have these issues going on with the editorial staff there, and there's things happening. Okay, good. I can appreciate that and I can respect that, even though I don't have much respect for the work that he did at DC because those titles. Vince and I both stopped reading those early on. We did not like the work that was being done. But again, it's subjective. Some people really have enjoyed it, so more power to them. And it's possible it got better after we stopped. At one point, maybe I'll go back and I'll look at them to see. But not right now. And so when you're looking at it in terms of standing up for yourself like that, then okay, fine. But when you all of a sudden then just start lashing out at people like a spoiled child... That's different. That's, and maybe it's just that I'm a little too damn Canadian. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But this just struck me as such a farce and it did not look good on him at all. So um, again, and he, he did make a comment about X-Force as well. And again, back to the the uh, the same comment as with Batman, wherein it's doing well because of the pedigree, not because of the writing. And I thought that was hysterical because, again, Remender has been doing such an amazing job on Uncanny X-Force. And it is miles, miles away better than anything that Leafill ever did on it. So with that, we're actually going to transition into what's been going on since the Dark Angel saga. Because that's where Vince and I had left off the last time we talked about it on the podcast. And a lot has happened since then. Reminder's not afraid of weaving these incredible stories that span several issues that are complex and yet still keep you engaged the entire time. And of course, for the most part, the art has been unbelievably awesome. Spectacular. Yeah. It has been so enjoyable. It has been amazing. I have been dying to pick up more and read them. Okay, so we'll start off with issue 19, which is immediately after the eight-part Dark Angel saga, which ended on issue in issue number 18. So in issue number 19, we got art by uh, Robbie Rodriguez. And basically, this is the after effects of the Dark Angel saga, with Phantom X dealing with the new apocalypse kid, child. Um, the team is dealing with the loss of Angel and the death of the child, and the separating the apocalypse team and some are going back home, and by the Apocalypse team, of course, I mean the ones from the Apocalypse universe. Some are going back home, and then you also have Kurt, who's staying behind because he's got a vendetta of his own to take out some of the people that are villains in the Apocalypse world that came through as well. So that I thought was very good because the roller coaster ride of the Dark Angel saga 
was absolutely insane. So we needed to be able to see a lot of the after effects of the actions that they took in that that story arc because it was extreme. So I like the way that they handled it right from the get-go, not letting go of the fact that Phantom X killed a child here just because of what he may one day become. We can always, we can even say would no doubt or probably become kind of thing. Um, and it leads into the other story arcs that are coming as well. But again, I really like that. And I like that immediately you get a sense for the quote-unquote new Nightcrawler because a lot of the emotions that you felt re reading this, having read the the issues wherein Nightcrawler had died in the X-Men, and then you know that he's coming back here in a manner. But then when you're reading this, you find out immediately, this is not the Kurt that you grew to love. This is someone far different. This is someone who grew up in a world that was ravaged by apocalypse. And yet there are still little hints there that you pick up on as you are going through the various story arcs since then. But it's set up right from the get-go that, again, this is not the Nightcrawler you're used to. I, I really enjoyed this issue a lot. I enjoyed the fact that you saw a lot of... Um the team's feelings about Kurt. I mean, I love that he came back, even though it's not the same Kurt, but I liked again, how Wolverine reacted. I enjoyed how having him there affected the team. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. So the issue, uh, 19.1, that was the, um, the prelude to the age of apocalypse comic that started thereafter. One of these times we're actually going to cover that one as well on the podcast to put everybody up to date with how that has been going. That's been a good series as well. I've been enjoying it. Um, not quite as much as this, but it's been very good, but yeah, that is basically just the, uh, everything that happened prior to the age of apocalypse, whether you pick it up or not, does not help you in terms of the uncanny X-Force. It's, it's fun to read, but you don't need to. But it is something that you definitely would want to pick up if you are suddenly going to start reading Age of Apocalypse. So we move on then to issues number 20 to 23, which were chapters 1 to 4 of Otherworld. Now, basically, this one here, Psylocke has been kidnapped by her brother, Captain Britain. Phantom X is on trial with that court of <laughs> pompous Brits and uh, and he's found guilty of having killed this child. You get a lot of information there about Phantom X. It's a little kind of subtle still. You kind of you don't get all the information. You find out that he is the only one of his kind. There in all of the other universes, parallel universes that they have access to, there is no Phantom X. He only exists in that one. And he is found guilty. They shove freaking needle things into his brain. Brains. That was amazing. That was one of my favorite parts. I was I think I was smiling. Like I and I know I shouldn't have been. But it was just a great, a great page. Um, and so they're doing this so that they can basically wipe him from existence. So he will not exist anywhere. Um, meanwhile, Psylocke is fighting to free him. Now, at the same time, Wolverine and Deadpool and Kurt are have come through as well to Otherworld in order to save them. But they get caught up in the middle of this massive battle that's been ongoing between the Captain Britain Corps and an army of demonic invaders led by <laughs> a magical goat. <laughs> So Great, that, that story arc was just 
crazy though at points. Like you got faces getting cut off. Deadpool loses his head. I love how Kurt stabs him with the sword to pick him up, to pick the head up when they're gone. <laughs> uh, carries it under his arm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Apocalypse Kurt is really awesome as Nightcrawler in this little story arc, especially. It's it's really good because you get a sense again of our Nightcrawler. We're in Wolverine just wants to get through, get Phantom X, get the hell out of Dodge. These people that are having problems, that's their problem, not theirs. And yet Kurt is reminding him, listen, we, me from another universe, we helped you guys when you guys popped into our parallel universe. So maybe we shouldn't have helped you either. It was very, very good. And then of course, at the end, you find out that the the goat, actually, it's Jamie Braddock, who is brother of Psylocke and Captain Britain, who has been behind all this. And she is forced to, psych, uh, psychically, through, her, through Captain Britain, kill Jamie Braddock so that he doesn't basically annihilate all of the multiverse in the future. It was very, very powerful, especially the ending where... Captain Britain is saying there could have been another way. We didn't have to. You didn't have to do that. And she walks away saying, no, you knew there, was, there wasn't there was another way. And yet you made me do this so that I'm the bad guy. It was like, wow. It was just phenomenal little story arc. And it ended so beautifully. I loved it. I love the hard decisions that the team has to make. And yeah. I enjoy the fact that, you know, like out of everybody else, everybody's like, no, oh, you know, we'll take a couple more days. We're going to sit on it, uh, see what happens, whereas they take action. Yeah. And this one here, the art was by Greg Tocchini. And again, I love the art. I thought it was very well done. I, I enjoyed it. It was a little bit more of a different style, although it had some similarities, but it was slightly different from what we'd seen in the other issues. Um, but it worked so well. It was it was even more, I should say, stylish, stylized than the other, um, the the previous issues by other artists. But I really, really dug it. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, from there, we're led into Frozen Moment, which is issue number twenty four, and this is where Nightcrawler goes to kill the Apocalypse version of Iceman. Um, it's a single issue little story arc. It's very good. And again, you're seeing how Nightcrawler fits into that theme of the X-Force, which is sometimes you have to kill. And they play on that a lot, and there's a reason why. So you get that again here, where it's not, I'm going to take Iceman back to our universe so that we can deal with him lawfully, whatever. No, no, no. It's shoving him in a freaking inferno <laughs> so that he melts and dies. And then, of course, you've got more on what's going on between Psylocke and with Phantom X, because in order to save Phantom X, you saw in the Otherworld story arc how Psylocke had to give something up of herself in order to save him. And you find out that what she gave up was her sorrow. It sounds a little quirky when I put it that way, but if you actually read through it, you'll understand how it fits in. Because a lot of what happened in that other world, you've got a lot of the old English um, fantasy style kind of thing with Merlin and whatnot. And so this actually fits into that perfectly, and it, it makes sense. And it's it's enjoyable, and it's it's different enough than the norm. So that's why I also liked it. 
Moving on from there, we've got uh, chapters one to five and potentially still ongoing. Although I think after the end of this, having seen the last screen, especially the last page, uh, I think this is probably the end of this story arc and we're going to be starting on a new one with 30. And this is Final Execution. So we got uh, five chapters to, to this one going from issues number 25 to 29. Art, various artists on this. We've got uh, Mike McCone, McConey, I don't know, uh, Phil Noto, Julian Tot. My God, Totino Tedesco. Uh, throughout it all, love the art. Nothing bad to say about any of it, really. Now, this story arc, again, you've still got a lot of the stuff going on with the with uh, Psylocke and with Phantom X and stuff like that. But with also the villains that you encountered in Otherworld, um, the, the most interesting of which being the freaking skinless dude <laughs> that likes stealing faces uh, so you've got Deadpool it starts off with Deadpool infiltrating an assassination group uh, White Sky which if you've ever watched Dollhouse that's what this is basically it's they create assassins specific to whatever your needs are and then you also are getting more information like I said between Brad, uh, Braddock and Phantom X and how the team is splitting up. Basically, the it's gotten to be too much, and it, the team is falling apart. So Braddock and Phantom X are taken off their own separate ways, leaving Kurt and Wolverine the only two left, because Deadpool is basically, of course, captured. And so from there, you get, again, more of the skinless man who's on this rampage, taking faces willy-nilly and using garden hoses to clean them off, which was an interesting panel. I will say that that was interesting. It was very freaky. Yeah. <laughs> but then you find when the when Kurt and Wolverine go to save Deadpool against what you find out later is the quote-unquote Omega Clan of evil people, and they are trying to get their revenge against... Wolvie and his peeps, essentially. And so <laughs> they're they're filling Wolverine full of disease and all kinds of things and, and also turning him into this gluttonous mass that's <laughs> crawling around on his hands and knees. Um, basically, you, you there's a lot of insanity going on there. Meanwhile, you've got Mystique shows up and she's impersonating Psylocke to basically deal with Phantom X. Uh, and then you're also getting Psylocke, who is getting messed around with by the Shadow King, who's manipulating her, making her think that Angel got his memories back from Xavier and that Xavier was after her and everything like that. So, again, you got a lot of balls in the air here being juggled, but it's done across, you know, five issues. And that's not even the best of it. It's all leading up to... Um, What's going on with, well, between the Skinless Man and Phantom X, because he's had it out for Phantom X, apparently for a bloody long time, you find out, um, to the point where, again, he steals his face, he takes his heart, and when Phantom X dies, Phantom X's ship, Eva, becomes this sexy freaking android thing. <laughs> of I'm course. so glad about that. <laughs> I'm so glad that that's what she turned into, and not like a dog, or... She's got awesome know? hair, too. Yeah. Awesome here. Okay. Um, and so you've got that going on. And then you find out that he's actually working for Dokken, Wolverine's son. And they're the ones leading up the new Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And so, again, you got a lot of stuff going on here. You got Ultimaton 
coming back and killing the gateway who is the one who allows them to travel between parallel universes and time and whatnot uh, but right before he dies Cylon kind of psychically controls him to send them 30 years into the future I don't think she actually I don't think she actually defined when just get us the hell out of here because it's gone bad so they go 30 years into the future where they see that their group, the X-Force, plus a few others who eventually join, become this force that stops crime by killing those who would become criminals, as Phantom X did with the young Apocalypse. And you find out as well, eventually, that Braddock is the one that is leading this future group. So young Psylocke, not agreeing with this, decides that she's going to kill herself to try to prevent it. In so doing, she, she kind of misses a little bit when she's trying her seppuku thing there. Uh, both teams try to save her because you can see the world warping around them, changing as as she's dying. I love that frame. Oh, yeah. You see the entire city falling apart, and she's one inch from her spine. She's got the sword in her hands, and she's saying, you know, like, just one inch, and I'll sever the spine, and it's all done. And you can see all the buildings crumbling, like all of the yeah. windows breaking it's something. I, I really enjoyed that. It's it's a cliched kind of thing because uh, how else are you going to do it to try to define how the future would change if you alter something from its past? But, I mean, it's it's a logical thing as well. I, I liked how it was handled. It was a lot of fun. Um, and then, so she is saved. Spoiler alert. She is saved. Uh, I'm not going to spoil the end end thing, but... The scenes we're in, she's saved, we're in, they are getting more information about what is happening in that future. Um, I love the stuff between, coincidentally, Deadpool and Punisher. Those scenes were great. I really liked those a lot. And then, of course, you have the great big reveals at the end, which I I will not spoil. I saw it coming. There's a lot of foreshadowing, but it was still kind of, okay, yeah, I kind of figured. Phenomenal story arc. Holy crap in hell. It's one of those series, though, that if you have not been keeping up with it, you really owe it to yourself to read from one. Don't don't shortchange yourself because stuff that happened in those first story arcs is still referenced in this last story arc. You don't have to have read it to enjoy it, but it really will deepen your appreciation of what's going on. Remender is really a master craftsman at crafting stories and and doing so by weaving intricate plot points throughout various ongoing story arcs or or even closed story arcs so if you haven't been reading it you really owe it to yourself to go through all of these and savor what's been going on i thought they were wonderful and i really did enjoy the stories going on on the side and the fact that he could he'd created such a well-made web of story here that he was able to, at some points, just jump to the school for a little bit and jump to different scenes. And he's been able to play with a few universes and it's flowed so well. Yeah. From one to the next, it's just, it's completely explainable. Well, yeah, like when you're saying, like the, the it, it takes someone with skill to be able to have, again, so many balls in the air juggling them and it's making sense and you're following through. And then all of a sudden, toss in another one and it's not dropped and you're just as engaged in those couple of pages even and it ties in perfectly with what's going like it's funny because 
when we were talking about the stuff that was with uh, with Keyleaf, some of their things, and there, there was just so much. The difference was with those is that I personally did not feel they were quite as masterfully handled. Now, granted, of course, James Innes does not have the wealth of years, the experience that Remder has in, in writing comic books. That'll come. And I'm sure he'll do a good job later on. Um, but here you have someone that can handle insane story arcs, that can handle really tough choices in comics that have consequences. And that's one of the things that Vince and I have talked about a lot is consequences in comic books, how you'll be reading and there just are no consequences. Everything can get retcon. And I mean, granted this can of, of course as well, but even just at least in the span of this comic book, the consequence of Phantom X shooting that child are still felt in episode issue number 29 that's saying a hell of a lot and not just like a little bit no 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 that changed so much of that world and he held on to it he didn't make light of it and there's been consequences to the point of phantom x being killed completely agree and as much as i was very sad to see phantom x go i mean i'm glad to see that that he was gone that they put that into the story they created eva through it and the story is still going. Like yeah. the characters are so strong, even though they are throwing in occasional new new characters to the team, it's still building. You're still just as attached to that team and you still remember and love the other characters as well. Yeah, I'm really hoping that it's not going to go back and again retcon that and bring him back somehow, which is quite likely going to happen. If it's done well, fine, but I'm, I'm really hoping that it's not. I, as much as I liked that character, I liked the consequences of this having been done. I, and again, as I've said time and time again, oh my God, I, it, I can't wait for the next issue of this series. Now, even though this did not end on a cliffhanger, like all of the other ones, you, you get a strong feeling that this story arc is over. Still, I want to know what's going to happen next. And again, that's a testament to the strength of the writer, not the IP. I'm not interested in reading more of this because Leafield created this. No, I want to read what Reminder's doing next with this because he's been so great at it up until now. So let's move on to some of what we've been reading. And I know you're excited about what you just read. I am. I am. I've been waiting for the second issue of Captain Marvel. And I just read it. And I loved it. I really, really did enjoy it. Uh, story again by Kelly Sue DeConnick and art by Dexter Soy. Um, it starts off almost like the other one ended. Again, you've got a nice little touching story. And Carol is trying to break an old flight record for a friend that was never put down on paper, um, which of course goes awry. So while she's plummeting from 37,000 feet, she somehow time travels Whew, back to 1943. I'm really glad she blacked out because I didn't want to see how the time travel happened. She just woke up. Yeah, really. She woke up on this island. That's an easy way of doing it so you don't have to explain what the hell just happened. <laughs> I know. And Blackout. I really, I appreciated it. I really did. Because when I saw it going down and she was going, oh no, I was going like, uh-oh. This could go really, really bad. But no, it was really great. Uh, we find out that she's gone back to 1943. And uh, she runs into a all-female, of course, air service, a uh, group of air service pilots. And uh, 
guns blazing. Like, they're fighting oh, yeah. their way through the jungle. Damn some tough chicks, boy. I tell you Jeez. what, I would not want to be messing with them. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I, I have, like, a hurrah feeling going on right now. You know what? I, I want to go out and do something. <laughs> you know what I loved about this is, and, and this is something that we just saw in the X-Force thing, where you have to be careful what you do so as not to be messing too much with the time stream. And, I mean, everybody's got their own ideas of how that would work and, and things like that because you can't possibly prove it. So have fun with it. But what I loved here is that she's telling herself constantly, like, don't do too much. Don't interfere. Things have got to happen on their own so that our future remains the same and that, you know, I'm not messing it up completely. But there's always that little part of her that's always in the back of her head that I'm not going to stand down for no one. And when that big mother ship appears behind her, you know, this is, she's not going to just let it go. Something's got to be done. And sure enough, she dives into action. Um, I love that part. I love that, that wild abandon of, I don't care what this means to the future. I'm going to do what's right now. It, it was, um, it was fun to read. Oh yeah. And I love that between two pages, she's going like, don't step on any butterflies. Yeah. They said something about, you know, like, don't <laughs> don't touch anything. Don't crush any plants. Like, we have to be very gentle. And then it's, like, suited up and ready to go. You know, like, she's she's screaming out her name. And it's going like, oh, that might come back. That, that might that come might back to haunt you a little things. bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not necessarily the right way to approach that. If there was a guideline book, that that would definitely be in the do nots. Yeah. So, anything else you've been reading? Um, actually, just trying to catch up fully on the X Force, which I am now a hundred percent ready for the next issue, and the Captain Marvel. Cool, cool. Okay, I actually got caught up on a whole bunch of the X Men, or Avengers versus Wolverine stuff. Um, I keep wanting to say crap, but it's not all crap. Luckily, a lot of the spinoffs are not bad, so I, I am kind of enjoying some of them. Although some of them. Again, you're getting a lot of cliched stuff that you've already seen um, time and time again. I've also gotten myself caught up with a whole bunch of the stuff that's been going on on the DC side with the uh, the Justice League that I was a couple of issues behind. Um, yeah, I'm still kind of on the fence about it. Sometimes it's good and sometimes you're like, mm, I've actually been enjoying more. I got caught up as well on Earth 2, which is the new one out. And Earth 2 has actually been really interesting it's and this is where you're seeing the old school heroes so the flash before it was the flash that we're used to and and, and things like that and i've actually been kind of really enjoying earth too it's 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 a good little series and then of course i got caught up on um uh, amazing spider-man with the lizard story arc that's been going on there, which has been, of course, Slot's been having a blast with that. It's been very, very enjoyable. And then also on the Spider-Man front has been the Spider-Men number four, which, as I said, too, that remains right now one of, between that and, and, and X-Force, that, like, I cannot wait to read the next issues of that. Um, number four was phenomenal a lot less action a lot more setup and normally when that happens you you'll hear me often saying that it's it's boring or there's there's not enough going on to engage you because it's all set up and yet with this because of parker sitting down and talking with 
that version of Aunt May and Gwen and whatnot. It's engaging. It's really interesting. It's a lot of fun. So, and there's a couple of moments where you like, really, you feel something. So, I another one that I cannot wait for the next issues of that. It's just so bloody well done. Moving on from there, let's talk about what is coming out, or what did come out, I should say, actually, this week. On the DC side, we've got a whole whack load of number 12s. We've got All-Star Western. We've got Batman the Dark Knight, Flash, Green Lantern, New Guardians, Justice League Dark, Savage Hawkman, um, Superman, Teen Titans, and Voodoo. And then you've also got Batman Incorporated number three. You've got Before Watchmen, Dr. Manhattan, number one of four. And then you've got Scalp number 60, which is actually the final issue. On the Marvel front, you've got that number 692 of Amazing Spider-Man, which, like I said, Quite good, worth reading if you have been keeping up with that Lizard story arc. Astonishing X-Men number 53, Deadpool kills a Marvel Universe 4 of 4. And then you got a couple of trade paperbacks for Fear Itself, the Avengers 1 and the Fear Itself 1. You've got Secret Avengers number 30, Uncanny X-Men number 17, Venom number 23, Wolverine 312. And then there's a Wolverine Annual number number one, which is the finale to the tale that started in FF Annual 33 and Daredevil Annual number one. And then finally, X-Men Legacy 272. And then from the others, we've got A New Dragon Age started, Those Who Speak number one, which is actually very good. It's going to continue to follow Alistair along with his cohorts from the last series. Looks very good. I can't wait to, to read this, of course. This one being written by David Gator as well, who headed up the writing on the Dragon Age IP. And then finally, number 13 of Teenage Ninja Turtles. And with that, thank you again, Sarah, for popping by to record this episode with me. No problem. Thanks for having me. All righty. And that's going to mark it for today. So you can get the show notes at comicbookinformer.com. We are on Twitter at CBinformer, though we are nowhere near as active as Lee feel, but we're also not as insulting. So there you go. Follow us. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to either Roger or Vince at comicbookinformer. Go ahead and send Vince. Hope you're doing all well email. I know he appreciates those. And so we will see you guys hopefully next week. Bye-bye. All right. Yay! <laughs> you'd have brought your notes. You could have said more. I know. <laughs> <laughs>